Welcome back to the show. Uh, approaching 10.30, Vince Accardi from Daily Sectionals joins us for a chat, as always, on a Friday. Good morning to you, Vince. Top of the morning to you, Luke. How are you on this sensational day? I'm super, mate. What about yourself? Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We've got lots of good racing. Challenging, challenging, but... Good racing. You're right, mate. We'll focus on Ramwick, and race number seven is the feature. It's the Ingham. Very deep card. Very deep race, this. Uh, we have a lot of horses with some pretty healthy numbers, uh, considering it's a group two. We expect that. Who's caught your eye in this race? Okay, well, there's a few ways to look at... I like to get the chessboard out and have a look at all the possible moves and say, okay... If we just look on what's happened most recently, you would sit back and say, Detonator Jack looks fantastic, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, he does. He's, if you look at it purely on what's happened right now, that performance last start was fantastic. It was 1.9 lengths above the benchmark standard. You have a look at the breakdown of the speed at Kembla. Point, uh, was it 1.7 below benchmark through the first section? That was massive difference to the race shape of the start before where it went 14 and a half lengths below benchmark at Rose Hill over 1800. In the mid-race, 3.2 lengths above benchmark, a little bit of a, a softening between the four and the two, not much, around 0.7 of a length, finished off pretty well. Now, of course, it was a tough day to run times at Kemble. It was just the way the track was set up and the running lanes everybody took. It was hard. So if I look at it from that perspective, he has to be the starting point. Then I look at, okay, who's the best horse in the race? Probably has to be Ozapenko. Firstly, we don't have to go too far. If we look at that run at Flemington, when finishing third to Brightside, Mr. Brightside and Alligator Blood, they, either of those horses would start odds on here without any questions. They would be clear-cut favourite and it would be hard to consider anything else to even remotely be capable of matching them. So Ozapenko does have that profile. Even though it was beaten a bit of a margin by those two horses, the reality is that's a good position to look at. My challenge is this. Is that horse performing at its optimum? Well, the reality is I would say possibly not, but it does have class, and for that reason I've got to give it some respect. Then I looked at the two, the 1,600-metre profile and said, OK, who's got you know, the real solid mile profile? Unfortunately, I came, I came back to Osipenko and said, oh, it's very hard to knock this horse. Attractable was the other runner. Goodness me, Luke, that run, really, the last two starts have been fantastic, but that run last start at Randwick, 2.3 lengths better than standard, off a sensational pace. It's had 32 days between runs. The question is, the way I look at how long a horse has been up, I've got the horse being up since March, Luke. Now, I know there's a 64-day break around that August time, but how much time would that horse have really had off? Maybe a day or two or three days maximum? So that's my little question mark. Otherwise, I would have this horse clear-cut top three. So I just don't know what to do. And I'm just trying to keep it real here. This is how challenging this race is because there's lots of chances. And then you sit back and say... 
what's the type of runner that may be specifically set for this race? Hinge look like a runner and probably lines raw that give you that sort of guidance that perhaps these two runners look very targeted for this race and quite capable on their day. So not an easy race. It's definitely a tough one for me. So I can't um, go out and venture one out on a runner with supreme confidence. It'd have to be like, I'd like to be doing like an exotic bet. Otherwise, I'm going to be watching an excellent race and seeing how everybody performs. Got a text here on the text line, which is a a good question. Um, Hi, Luke. Good morning to you and Vince. Question for Vince. When he mentions the overall benchmark figure of a horse's run, is that comparable to different horses, different tracks, different classes. Do you understand that question, Vince? I think what the yeah, list... I do, yeah. and it is, and it's also compares to dis- different distances. Okay, can you explain why that's the case? Because obviously, the benchmark figure is based on that class and distance. Yeah. Um, so what happens is there's a, a process that you go through. Stage one on the raw figures, it's purely looked at that track, that distance, full stop. And it only considers the first four horses across the line and to become part of a historical benchmarking history, it has to be on a track that's good to dead. In other words, or fast as well, even though no one really ever reports the letter F anymore, but there are times when we really do feel that track's in that range. If you're on slow to heavy going, it doesn't form part of the historical benchmark. So that's stage one. Then the second step is... On the day, they're all normalised. Regardless of distance, they get normalised. And then the last step is when you come to the adjustment stage and you look at the various steps, it gets normalised against regardless of track. Now, of course, there are challenges when you do that because when you... This is one of the reasons why we go to the 800 metre point is different tracks, first couple of hundred metres can be... (laughs) Very different in terms of speed and the way a race is run can also have a challenge, but it's more to do with the track layout. But we do normalise them all regardless of where they're run. And the class structure is a naked class structure. In other words, we do not bring in a class, like say a group one race doesn't get extra merit as opposed to an open. If they were both at the same day, it's all about the performance of the day and the history of that track and distance. And what we've found is, just on its own body of work, it does actually create a naked scale, and there is a variance if you were then to put the, group, the various different group classes alongside it to see what the inside is. But what I've found over the years is, is the minute you start to add weight to speed The classes that are in place now, which is designed for handicapping and so we can have races, you'll end up in quite a lot of pain if you're trying to be a purist on getting performance of speed as its essence of class. Yeah, I understand. Um, I mean, for example, if we move to race number one at Randwick uh, on Saturday and we scan through that field, based off what I'm seeing, because I've got the data, um, there's only one horse in that race that in their recent runs has actually gone uh, above benchmark overall, which is Sir Boo at Grafton. He ran bang on benchmark when he won that maiden. So how then would you use that performance 
He's gone 0.0, bang on benchmark winning that race at Grafton. And then you compare him to, say, Burundana, whose best figure last preparation was 0.6 below benchmark. However, that was in a a highway, a Class 3 race. So I guess uh, some people would be wondering, okay, um, does that mean Sir Boo's a better horse than Burundana? How would you assess those two performances and then bring them to this race to try and work out which horse uh, you'd be interested in? Yeah, perfect. Love that. Okay. We can look at some technical structure and some advanced thinking. And what I mean by advanced, I don't mean you have to be a genius to work it out, just some advanced processes in terms of the way you step through it. So let's look at Burundana, for instance. Best of its recent performances, and this is obviously prior to the break, was we had to go to the 22nd of the 7th, 2023 at Rose Hill, where it was a 0.6 below benchmark performance. Ranked 15th of the day. Then what what I tend to do is this. I will then go to the race matrix in the analytics platform, and what this does, this actually brings that field up of that day where it got the 0.6 below benchmark performance, and it, it will look at everybody's runs if they've had at least six runs leading into when they raced against each other. And in this case, they have. And then what it does is... We use a calculation that looks at every single data point of all those horses, and it was quite a decent field that day, and it comes out with saying the mean average for that race, based on the technicals, is 2.1 lengths below standard, the class, based on all those runners. And then I look at the margin, right, of, okay, what the winner win by, and using just the standard process that you would use if you were using a ratings profile, and what it says is, it actually says that the performance against that history of leading is actually slightly inferior to the adjusted figures it got on the day and comes out at a minus 2.1 lengths below benchmark. And what we use in terms of margins, we don't use the margins that come directly from the official results. We use the metres per second margin because, as you know, some horses have to ca- cover more distance than others. And there are different movements in a race that create a a different pressure and therefore changing the overall speed and what's the overall distance a horse has run. So we use the internal NPS margin to create that. And Burundarana comes up as a minus 2.1 if we were looking at it from a class perspective as opposed to the 0.6 for the day that it got on that day. Then... I look at the next horse, the, one, the other one that you mentioned, and that was uh, Sir Boone, classic example. Like you said, 24th of the 10th Grafton, benchmark performance, best of the day. Then do the same process. You go into the race matrix and you have a look at the race matrix. Now, there's only two horses that didn't have a complete six leading runs. One of them was Sir Boone, that only had three runs leading into that. That's three race starts, and Blue Acres being the other runner. The rest of them all had six in six leading runs, and here's the classic example. When it looks at the, the trend line of the class, it's stating that the class is 3.1 lengths below the standard. The last thing that you have to do is then take into consideration the NPS margin. So Boom's won by three lengths, 
how much do you want to allow for that? Do you want to allow a length, two lengths, three? And that's up to the individual to make that call. What I've done myself is I've turned around and said the horse has come in around 0.1 below benchmark, and I didn't use the entire margin, so when I actually bring it into my platform for an adjusted figure, I actually gave the race. Are you ready for this, Luke? You're going to love it. 2.1 lengths below benchmark, identical. Wow. So that race matrix is just an option in the platform where you can get a, a general feel about the class of that race with, with that's just correct. the click of a button. That's now mm. correct, Luke, and that's utilising it from a class perspective purely on speed. You know, nothing to do with weights and measures and what class they're in because what it's doing is it's grabbing every individual runner's performances going back six runs. Mm. Fascinating stuff. Obviously, uh, for- you can get as complicated and deep with the data as as you wish. Uh, some may just use it from a sectionals perspective. Correct. Um, but that first race, uh, looking at the actual speed map here that I have come up with, I think that it's more than likely they'll go below average. Uh, all the Stern, Mose Gold, look the two horses that might control. Burundana, he's probably going to be parking their midfield somewhere, the race favourite. Does this horse have a turn of foot? Does the data suggest that if he if he is in a race where the pace isn't fast or moderate even, does he have the ability and capability to sprint over the top still? This is Sir Boom or Barandana? Barandana. Okay. Now when we look at the isolation and performances of a horse, let's have a look at that Grafton run, and we can even look at the Tyree run subsequent to that. At Grafton, the horse has gone 2.9 lengths below standard. So if you feel this race is going to be run below benchmark, then you can take a position and say, okay, where's this horse going to be positioned in the race? Where did you have a position based on your mapping? Yes, yeah, so Sir Boo's form you're talking about there, I think he'll have to go back. He'll have to go back. Yeah. Will he be six off the lead? Mm, probably. Okay, so if he's six off the lead and you take a position that they're going to run below benchmark, how far below benchmark? Who do you have leading? I had all the Stern and Moe's Gold, probably Moe's Gold going to the front. Okay, you feel Moe's Gold. So the way I would look at it is like this. It's straightforward. I look at Moe's Gold's profile. We have to go back three runs when the horse broke benchmark through the first section to the 800-metre point. That was a 1,200-metre race. The horse has gone 0.3 above. Since then, it's had a run of 1,300 when it went 4.7 lengths below benchmark. It wasn't actually leading, but the lead speed was four lengths below benchmark. And then when we look at the last run, it was 4.2 lengths below benchmark. The horse wasn't leading there either, where the pace was 1.8. So if you're taking that position that this is where the horse is going to be, there's a high probability at 1,400 metres that race shape is going to be somewhere around two to four lengths below standard. Mm. Then if you bring in, say, both those horses, Burundana and Sir Boom, which are two horses that I assume you're targeting, we can look at it. Firstly, you can say, Sir Boom, if it's going to be in that position, if it runs to what it did at Grafton or what it did at Taree, I'm with you. This horse is going to be definitely at least four lengths off the, off the pace, maybe six. You can look at on the analytics platform, which you use, is how much gain, how much margin did that horse gain in its races? A, when it won, what ground did it make up? Where was it from, um, you know, from the leader at the actual 800-metre point? And you can see it. At Grafton, was 4.8 lengths from the leader. And at Taree, it was 8.2 lengths from the leader. 
And then you look at the margin gained, it was 6.9 lengths gained at Taree and 7.7. So it, it automatically says to you, even with the four lengths above benchmark close over the last 400 metres, this runner cannot afford to be more than six lengths off the lead speed approaching the 800 metre mark. Not where they are after they jump a couple of hundred metres. So that's the profile when I'm looking at this horse. Where's the golden spot? If this runner's closer than that, his chances are dramatically increased of winning. Now, Burundana on the other side, well, it is first up. There's always a little bit of freshness in this horse when it, it produces off any break. It typically has a profile that sits anywhere between one and three lengths below standard when fresh. I am uh, like interested in how they've decided to go for a 1,400-metre race first. Mm. What is really interesting is its actual 400-metre sprint isn't any better than Sir Boo. doesn't matter how I look at it. It actually isn't any better. And what is critical for this runner, this runner must be closer in running to be more dynamic and effective. In other words, if that horse is eight lengths from the leader or six lengths from the leader and they get to a sprint, there's a high probability Sir Boo will end in front of it unless you've got a miscalculation in the race pace and they run a lot faster. Let's go to race eight because uh, a horse that uh, caused a little bit of uh, discussion this morning on the punters panel was with your blessing. And what we were trying to work out was... His spike in form last start being the clear best run of his preparation where he went 0.4 above benchmark, was that the heavy track or the adding of the blinkers that saw him improve so much? Is there anything in the data that could point us towards answering that question, Vince, if he yeah. really thrived in the wet or not? Okay. So one of the things that we can look at is the WTI, which is the wet track indicator, Luke. And at Kembla Grange, it's come up with a WTOTI performance of 7.4 lengths better than standard. And what this is, this is a calculation that measures the horse's acceleration in any given 200-metre point for the horse to see how well can it accelerate in wet ground to determine is this a strong wet tracker or a slightly soft wet tracker based on that day. Now... I look at this horse, it's had three scenarios where it's been on wet ground and they've all been anywhere between 4.7 better than standard and 7.4. So this runner definitely appreciates wet ground. And then I compare it to the dry, dry track profile, there's a variance of about four lengths. In other words, now, if I'm crystallising my position, this runner has about a four-length better profile on dry versus wet in terms of acceleration, not overall performances, because that's governed by race shape mm-hmm. and tactics, you know, mid-race moves, no mid-race moves, where they on the track on the day. So to summarise that, do you think With Your Blessing is better on firm or soft ground? I feel it's definitely better with some given the ground. Mind you, it all comes back down to the class of the day. Mm. So if the race has run to suit, it can still be competitive, but I do feel that if it was a wet track, I'd be more bullish. But the data does suggest that uh, when it's wet, he can still show that turn of foot. Correct. Mm, Which is a big thing on soft ground, isn't it? It's a major advantage. On this race as a whole, race number eight, uh, Insurrection, he's there horse number three. It was interesting that he trialled 
recently and was was ridden quietly uh, in a trial. Typically, he's a horse that likes to go out and be on top of the speed, but we're certainly waiting with bated breath to see if they try something different race day uh, with him riding in quiet than they uh, uh, the same as what they did in that trial, Vince. Well, that's probably one of the important things. and I've, I've seen over the years horses that have a tendency to want to sort of really go out and control the pace up front. Over a given period of the season, you know, up to a year, if trainers really focus on seeing if they can get the horses to relax, there's been a number of horses over the years that can do that, and then all of a sudden they become a lot stronger over more distance. And I can imagine with a horse like this, this would be the aim because this is a runner that's always found it difficult to run solid 1,200 metres, and it's all really got to do with the way they've gone out and tackled the race speed-wise, and this is the actual horse itself. Whether they can do that is, you know, I guess time will tell, but I have seen definitely over the years that this can happen. It's the first time at 1,200 metres this time, and let's see what happens. Vince, um... Great to chat. Uh, good in-depth conversation this morning uh, about some of the data points uh, available there with the racing analytics and also uh, daily sectionals. Um, that's the website. Just uh, search daily sectionals to get involved with you. Plenty of uh, good stuff on offer uh, for the weekend if people want to get involved. And we'll speak to you next week. Yeah, thank you so much, Luke. Take care and good luck.